Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our 6pm service. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Tonight is our last night of our Ruth series. Have you enjoyed going through the book of Ruth, four chapters? I know I have. I've been loving hearing the story read to us each week. And this week we've got Holly coming to share uh, with us. She's going to be reading chapter four. But again, I want to invite you just right now, just to take a second to still your spirit and prepare yourself to hear the words of the Lord from Ruth chapter four. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, and as, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among your, his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Throughout the offspring of the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar brought to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and, said, and she became his wife. He made love to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to his son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse and the the father of David. 
This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminabed, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your Word to us. God, we thank You that words that were written so long ago still have relevance to our hearts and lives today. And God, I just pray that You would open our eyes and our ears to hear and see what You wanna say to each one of us tonight, but also what You want to say to us as a church. And so God, we welcome You to speak to us tonight. And we ask that we would leave here knowing something a little bit more about your heart. God, we thank you that your presence is here with us. And together we say, Amen. Amen. So this is the part of the Ruth story that we've all been waiting for. We've been wanting to know, does Ruth get her happily ever after? Do Ruth and Boaz finally end up together or does this other relative come in at the final hour and ruin this happy ending? It really does have the makings of a great rom-com and I would know because I watch a lot of them. But tonight, as we finish our series in the book of Ruth, we're gonna see that although it does finish with a happy ending, there is actually a twist in the final moments of this book that point us to an even greater love story. But to help us get to that point, we are going to journey through Ruth chapter four together. And as we do, we will find that this idea of redemption, this idea of the guardian redeemer is central in these last scenes of the Ruth story. And it sets up this final twist. And spoiler alert, because we already just read it, so we all know anyway, it points us to the greatest redemption story of all time. But first some background into Israel and this idea of redemption. You see in the Old Testament, this idea of a redeemer goes back to the time when God rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. The Israelites, they were God's people and it felt like their story was almost over before it even began. You know, they had been oppressed by the Egyptians, but God came to rescue them. God parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through unscathed. It was this mighty act of rescue. And from then on, the Israelites referred to God as their Redeemer, the one who had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. So as a nation, this idea of redemption was actually part of their DNA. So much so that this principle became a part of the law that God gave to Moses. You know, God told them in His law that He wanted them to be people who lived redemptively. He wanted them to be redeemers too. 
And we see this as you read through the law, things like Leviticus 25, 25, that when an Israelite family became very poor and had to sell their land to survive, the nearest male relative known as the guardian redeemer had the responsibility of rescuing them from poverty by buying their land back and restoring it to the family. And then there was another law that said that if a man died leaving his widow without children, their nearest male relative had to step in and marry his widow and enable her to have children so they could inherit their father's property and keep it in the family. And these two laws that show that God already had this idea of being redeemers, these two are particularly relevant to this final chapter in Ruth. And we finished Ruth chapter three last week with Naomi telling Ruth that she had to just wait to see what Boaz would do. Ruth had visited Boaz on the threshing floor and she was just to kind of wait and see what he was gonna do, see what was gonna happen. And that is where we pick things up in chapter four. Verse one, meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz goes to this place called the town gate, the town gate, the place where all these business transactions happened. It was the place where if you needed to meet someone, you would meet them there. It's like Garden City on a Sunday night. If you wanna find a Christian, there's probably one there uh, after church on Sunday night. And so Boaz goes to this town gate where maybe, just maybe, he'll find this person he's looking for. And as Boaz sits down, the guardian redeemer, this closer relative, passes by. And as Ben said in week two, we can choose to see this as a coincidence or we can choose to see this as God's providence, God providing at just the right time. And Boaz being the honourable man that he is, he offers this land to the closer relative first. Verse two tells us, Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know, because he's pretty keen, I think, to marry Ruth, for no one has the right to do it except you and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. So at this point, we start to think that this relative, this close relative might be the one that puts an end to this epic love story. This relative seemingly jumps at the chance to acquire more land until Boaz reveals the whole story. Verse five, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. 
And we get the impression here that this other relative, his motivation for acquiring this land is for his own gain, not out of any sense of duty for Ruth or Naomi. As soon as Boaz mentions that it's not just an acquisition of land, but he's also gonna get a wife thrown in there as well, this close relative rejects it. He knows that this transaction will endanger his own estate. He will not just have to provide for one more person, but it's Naomi and Ruth are coming. And if Ruth and he end up having a child, there will be a son. And ultimately, when he's kind of looking to enlarge his estate, he knows that this property will go to that son. And so he knows that this is actually not gonna do him. It won't enlarge his estate like he thinks it will. And so he backs out of this deal and affirms that Boaz, Boaz, that was weird, uh, can move forward. And they seal the deal by the weirdest thing in our culture, but very normal back in that culture. He just takes off his sandal, his thong, his flip-flop and just gives it to him, weird. But verse eight goes on and says, so the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people today, you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are my witnesses." Boaz is upholding the law. He's upholding even the spirit of the law, which speaks volumes to his character. And he makes this proclamation showing that he is willing to take on this role as guardian redeemer for the family in order to restore the name of Elimelech. And one commentary says that a true redeemer is the kind of person who is willing to pay a price for the good of others. And that is the mark of Boaz, not the other relative. And here we start to see that redemption, redemption is costly. This closer relative is not willing to pay the price. He wasn't willing to take on all that being the guardian redeemer meant, but Boaz, he is willing to pay this price. He is willing to pay the price in order to bring life to Ruth and Naomi and to honour the name of Elimelech. And we can already start to see that this redemption story is pointing to a far greater redemption story. A story where an even greater man than Boaz would one day pay a price and bring life to not just one family line, but to all of humanity. And just like how Boaz's life points us to a greater redemption story, I actually believe the challenge for some of us tonight is does your life point to a greater redemption story? 
We see in the book of Ruth that the way Boaz and Ruth lived their lives points us to the greatest story of redemption in human history. And just like Ruth, Naomi and Boaz, their stories, they're filled with loss, with disappointment, with pain and hopelessness, but they also experience provision and joy and loving kindness. And it is their story, the one that we read tonight that points us to the greatest redemption story of all time. And the way in which that we live our lives, whether it's how we respond to loss, how we respond to disappointment, or the way that we choose to show love to others or show kindness to others actually points people to Jesus. And so I wanna ask you the question, is your life more like the close relative whose focus is purely on his own estate? Are your priorities and your decisions based on what will just benefit you and grow your estate? Or is your life more like Boaz who despite the cost chooses to show love chooses to show kindness to Naomi and Ruth in order to bring glory to God and to point us to a greater redemptive story. Who is in your life right now? Who is that person that God has placed in your field like Ruth was in Boaz's field that you can show God's loving kindness to in order to point them to this greater redemptive story and the plan that God has for their lives. I wanna encourage you to use your life, your choices, your priorities, your actions to point to God's greater redemptive story. And we see that as we go on, even these, there are three particular blessings that these witnesses, the, the elders that are there, that three blessings that they speak that continue to point us to this story. The first blessing is directed to Ruth, that she, the Moabite woman, the one who shouldn't even be in this lineage would build the nation of Israel in a significant way, just like Leah and Rachel, who bore the 12 sons of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. And then there's a second blessing directed towards Boaz, that he would have a renowned lineage in Bethlehem. And the third blessing is directed as their family as a whole. And remember at this point, Ruth has not had any children. And the blessing is that the offspring, the seed, which is actually quite an interesting term in the Israelite history of redemption, would be like Perez, who, is gonna, who we're gonna see comes up later. And with these blessings from the elders, and the witnesses, Boaz takes Ruth as his wife and then God gives them a son. And in verse 14, the women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. 
God has provided in abundance for Naomi, first through Boaz and now through this son. And we see that Naomi has a complete transformation. She says of herself at the beginning of Ruth, I am empty. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara because the Lord has made my life bitter. But what we see now is that Naomi's life has been transformed. And we see that redemption is transformative. The Naomi we read about in chapter one is not the same Naomi we read at the end of Ruth. Naomi initially was grieving her sons, their funerals, her husband's funerals. She was enduring a famine and her situation seemed completely hopeless. But through the redemption of Boaz and now this son, there is a wedding, there is a baby. Her heart is full and she now has a hope-filled future. And so although living redemptively can actually be costly, it also brings transformation. And just as Naomi's story of transformation points us again to this greater redemptive story, I wanna ask you, are you using your story of transformation to point others to the greater redemption story? This week, I made a quick trip down to uh, Red Frog Schoolies on the Gold Coast and I took uh, one of our young ads, Levi, uh, with us, with us, just me, with me uh, down there. And as uh, Levi and I were walking the streets with some other Red Froggers, we were interacting with a whole bunch of schoolies. And Levi was just talking to me about how a few years ago, that was him. He went to schoolies uh, on the coast as a schoolie, but at that point, he wasn't following Jesus. And he reflected that how at that time, he felt kind of hopeless. He didn't know where his life was heading. He made some decisions over that time, which he probably wouldn't make now. And he was saying how different his life was back then. But the Levi that walked with me on Tuesday night, his life has been transformed because of Jesus. He is not the same person. And I know that Levi, you share your transformation story with other people because you are desperate for them to know Jesus too. And we can all share our stories of transformation to help others know Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you all tonight, use your transformation story to point others to God's greater redemption story. And verse 16 goes on to say, then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And we are getting so close to the end of this story and it's going the way that you would hope any good love story would go. There is a marriage, there is a baby and there is a seemingly happily ever after. And if this was a movie, you might be fooled into thinking that as Naomi takes this baby into her arms, that that is the final scene. 
You know, at this point in my imagination, you know, the camera would be panning in on this baby and then it would start to pan back and you would see this beautiful picture of Naomi, the grandmother holding this baby. And then it would pan back even further and you would see in the background Boaz and Ruth just gallivanting off into the wheat fields. That's the picture I get in my mind. And then the credits would just start rolling and that's the end of the story. But these last few words in verse 17, it's this beautiful twist at the end of a movie. These few words make us realise that Obed is not the end of the story. It may seem like Obed was the one that we were all waiting for, but in fact, he is not the end. There's a sequel coming. The writer is telling us that Obed, this baby, will end up being the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. The narrator is telling us that this story isn't over. You know, we've seen God provide Ruth, the childless widow with a husband and a son. We've seen God provide Naomi, the old bitter widow widow whose family line was close to extinction. God provides her with Obed, this Redeemer. And in the last few words in verse 17, we see that God is not done providing. For the nation of Israel, which is close to extinction, God is providing a king. The book of Ruth is not just a story about two desperate widows. It is a story about a desperate nation on the verge of annihilation, annihilation, rhymes, I didn't think of that. And through an unlikely Moabite woman named Ruth and an upstanding man called Boaz, God provides the nation of Israel with David, a young shepherd boy who would go on to be the king of Israel. And for a time, he would give God's people leadership and security and unity. But wait, there's more. In verse 18 to 20, we see that there's not just a sequel. This redemption story actually is part of a trilogy. There is an even greater redemption story that is coming. And if you're anything like me, you see these list of names in a genealogy uh, and you think, That's a lot of names and I cannot pronounce them. And I'm inclined to just skip over the genealogies. But just like when you walk out of a movie before the credits are done and then you find out from your friends that there was actually more of the story once the credits have finished, if we skip over this genealogy of David, we miss where the story is ultimately pointing us. Verse 18. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of, I like to say Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. And you might think, yes, Lauren, you already told us that it's pointing to David. We've already seen where this is going, but This genealogy that we have just read is a part of a larger royal line. And if you have your Bibles right now, flip forward to Matthew 1, 
And you will see that this genealogy is repeated at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel. He starts off by saying, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And ironically, we are gonna skip over some of that genealogy tonight because the names are hard to pronounce and I don't wanna embarrass myself. But before, but behind me on the screen in just a moment, um, will come all of the names. There's a, there's a screen, the slide, that has all of the names. Yes. And so you'll see, and I'm gonna point, I don't have my little clicker pointer, Perez, down to David. We have just read that genealogy in the book of Ruth. You will see that there are some additions at the start. You will see there's some things at the end that carry on. You'll see that there's some extra names in there as well. Matthew, who writes this gospel, he is writing to a primarily Jewish audience and they had been waiting, waiting for this promised Messiah. And this genealogy reminds us that from the beginning of time, God had a plan. He was and always is trying to restore His relationship with His people. And Jesus was always a part of God's redemptive plan. And there are a few additions in this genealogy that remind us that Jesus' redemption is not just for a certain type of person. Jesus came into this world to bring redemption to each and every person. And Tony Merida, in his commentary, he says this about the genealogy of Matthew. He says, the genealogy makes it clear that God has always saved broken sinners incorporated them into His people and used them to further His plans. This is shown by the surprising fact that Ruth and some other key women appear. It is unexpected enough to mention women in a genealogy of this time, but when we consider the stories of these particular women, we may be even more surprised. The genealogy demonstrates the fact that God redeems and works His purposes out through sinners. This genealogy includes prostitutes, adulterers, liars and murderers. It includes both men and women, both Jews and non-Jews. None are disqualified from being used by God. Here they are in the genealogy of Jesus, His Son, our Messiah. And this is a reminder that through Jesus, redemption is for everyone. We read the story of Ruth and we see that there is redemption for that one family line, but through Jesus, redemption has been made possible for everyone. And there is no one who is excluded from this redemption story. The birth, the death, the resurrection of Jesus is good news for all people. And it is this good news story that is the greatest love story of all time. And we see it in the well-known verse of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because of God's great love for each one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, God sent His Son to redeem us. And it cost Jesus His life. He was mocked, He was beaten, and He was killed. 
also that we could live transformed lives. And this last chapter of Ruth points us to this greater redemption story. And while I believe that the challenge for most of us tonight hangs around this idea of does your life, do your choices and your priorities, do they point others to this greater redemption story? Are you using your transformation story to point others to Jesus? For some of us here tonight, we actually first need to accept this redemption story for ourselves. And tonight we've been reminded through the story of Ruth, Naomi and Boaz, that although our lives may feel hopeless and like there is no future, like there is no direction, Jesus offers us redemption. He has already paid the price to bring you life and hope for the future. And as we've found out tonight, redemption is costly, but Jesus has already paid the price with His life. Redemption is transformative, but you actually need to allow Jesus to come into your life. And as you do that, He will transform your life in only the way that He can. And redemption is for everyone. This is not just for a select few people here tonight. This story is for everyone, no matter your past, no matter how many times you may have rejected God, no matter how far you feel from God tonight, because Jesus has already paid the price through His death and resurrection. Redemption has been made possible for each one of us. And so tonight, I just wanna ask that if you have never invited God to be your Redeemer, for Jesus to be your Redeemer and be your Lord and Saviour, you can do that right now. And I would love to help you do that by just praying a simple prayer. So I'm gonna ask everyone to close their eyes right now. And if you know tonight, you wanna invite Jesus to be your Redeemer. He has already paid the price And if you allow Him, He can come and transform your life. He can take what was broken where there was no hope and give you a hope-filled future. And so if that resonates with you tonight, if there's something in you goes, I would love to go on this journey with Jesus. I'd ask that you right now just put up your hand while everyone's eyes are closed. And I would love to help you pray a prayer in order to invite Jesus to come and help transform your life. So if that's you tonight, I invite you right now, just put up your hand and I would love to help you pray that prayer. I see that hand and that hand. I wanna just give any last moments if anyone else wants to join those who've prayed that prayer. Okay, well, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Thank you, God for sending Jesus. Thank you that Jesus has already paid the price for my sins. I'm sorry for the way that I've lived my life in my own strength. And Jesus, I ask that you would come and transform my life. Thank you for your love 
and your grace. Help me to live my life with you at the centre. Amen. Amen. You can all open your eyes and let's just give those who responded just a round of applause because as Jason said, there is a celebration in heaven because this has always been God's plan. And I believe uh, there is a challenge for some of us tonight as well. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. We're gonna sing just a final song, the end of a song. It's a song we've been singing uh, a song that I've come to really love. We're gonna sing the bridge and it says, God, fill me up with more of you. And I just believe tonight there are some people when I've talked about using our lives to point others to this greater redemption story, there's something in you that goes, I wanna do that. But I just, sometimes I don't know how, I don't feel like my life is doing that. I don't feel like I'm equipped to do that. I actually believe tonight, God wants to fill you with His courage. And as we sing this uh, bridge of this song, I invite you just to come down. And I would love to in a moment, just pray for you. Pray that you would step out with a greater confidence to live your life in a way that shows other people Jesus. That you would have the confidence to speak out your story, the story of how Jesus has changed your lives so that other people can come to know the love of Jesus. And so if you would just love a, a new sense of courage and boldness to do that, I would love to pray for you in just a moment. So as we sing this song tonight, I encourage you to come down the front and in just a moment, once we've finished singing, I would love to pray a blessing on you. If there is anyone who would love to come and just join these guys, I would just love to pray for each one of you. If you know a person down here, I encourage you to come down and just get around them as I pray. Lay your hand on them and be praying for them as well. Praying for a newfound confidence and boldness that their life would point to a greater redemption story. Let's pray. God, I thank You that You have redeemed us, that through Jesus, You have provided a way for our relationship with You to be restored. And God, I thank You for each person down the front who has just felt this desire to want their life, just like Boaz and Ruth's life did, to point to Your greater redemption story. And so God, I pray that in their lives, Lord, the choices that they make, the priorities that they set, the actions that they take, Lord, would You just give them courage to make what may seem the more difficult decision in against measuring it against the world, God, to honour You and bring glory to You. And may others, Lord, as they see a life surrendered to You, God, may they be drawn to that. May they wanna ask questions of why they are making certain decisions. And God, I pray that You would fill each of these people with a new sense of boldness and courage to speak Your story, 
God, give them Your words to share as they talk with people. God, I pray that You would help them just have a a passion to share their own story, the story of how You have transformed their lives and that story would point others to Jesus. God, I just pray that You would just give them opportunities this week. Lord, I pray for multiple opportunities. I pray that they would have the joy of being able to even sit next to one of their friends at a Christmas service or a service to come as they just discover more of who Jesus is. Lord, we thank You that You are a God who wants to be known. And so You wanna fill these guys with a fresh boldness and courage to go out and share You with others. So God, fill them tonight, bless them tonight. And God, I pray this for all of us. I pray that You would help all of us to live in this way, that we would live our lives in a way that points others to the greatest redemption story in history. God, fill us all with more of Your love and Your courage and Your boldness. We ask this in Your Name, Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.